It's Thursday at 11 a.m. And you're listening to the Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM, talking all things sports with a special focus on our Auburn Tigers here on the Plains. If you want to be a part of today's action, feel free to tweet at us at Daniel J. Locke or the Griggs B. Let's get into the action. Good morning and welcome into the Eagle's Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Locke. Alongside me today, and as always, is Griggs Blankenberg. Last week, I'd miss. I had a pretty big test uh, a few hours after the show would have taken place, and or did take place since it did happen. Um, Griggs and I's uh, friend, well, Griggs's friend, my mortal enemy, jokes, Connor Greenberg, uh, filled in. Um, he actually made less Yankees uh, Red Sox jokes than I thought, so credit to him for that one. Well, I told him he had a limit or he'd never be welcome back. Ah. So, uh, yeah, pe- people respect the rules of the Eagles and that's where they don't get to come back. Mm-hmm. So, earlier this week, I wrote a column for the Opelika Observer that was titled, The Loveliest Roller Coaster on the Plains, The Wild Ride That Has Been Auburn Baseball in 2023. And I wish I could have waited just a few more days before the deadline on that one, because there was yet another chapter this weekend. After a thrilling series against the Mississippi State Bulldogs last weekend, to say the least, in which Auburn won the first game 2-1, to one, um, it's real good whenever this Auburn team is able to get one of those tight pinch wins. And by that, I mean like less than four runs in the game. Um, it was really good to see the pitching hold that pretty good Mississippi State offense to one run. Then Saturday... Auburn lost 11 to 10 and this one really was look it it is the score makes it look a lot closer than it was. Um, Auburn trailed 11 to 3 going into the bottom of the ninth inning, then went on a seven run rally that fell just short and then a similar thing happened in the Sunday game. Auburn ended up winning 12 to 11, but they still needed a late comeback that was successful that time. But two nights ago the Auburn Tigers host Detroit Trojans in their penultimate midweek, penultimate home midweek contest of the season. Griggs, would you like to inform our audience how that went if they don't know? The uh, Ole Miss the finale? No, Troy Trojans. Oh, the Troy Trojans, yes. Uh, Auburn baseball went off to a good start to the game. Uh, it scored six runs in the first inning. They did not score another run until the eighth inning, losing to the Troy Trojans 7-8 to on Tuesday night. Auburn's RPI was already struggling. This absolutely kills it. Um, oh, without question. Yeah, that if there was a, any glimmer of hope of Auburn... It's this week. Yeah. What, it, what I was going to say, if there's any glimmer of hope of Auburn climbing into the tournament, it's most likely gone, as this week you have a road series against the number two South Carolina Gamecocks. Number three. Number three? Yes. Auburn's website says number two, but whatever. I get number three. Uh, D1 Baseball says their number. That's the main one the NCAA uses. But okay. I, uh, two, two, two and a half. There's two a reason half. I'm saying that, Daniel. Okay. Two and a half. Two and a half. There's a reason I'm saying okay. that, if you, if you know. Um, And then the next weekend, they host the best team in the country, undisputed, no matter what ranking system you're using. The LSU Tigers are the best team in the country, and then Auburn will have them. So I think Auburn's – if Auburn can go two and four over these next six games, I consider that a win. I think you could technically get one from LSU potentially. Just the fact that they dropped a midweek game to Nichols on Tuesday night. I mean, I'm sure they were resting the entire team. And no, Dylan Cruz and all of them were playing. But you have to find a way to get one of these next two, whether it's against the Gamecocks in Columbia or LSU at home at Plainsman Park. 
just the fact that Joseph Gonzalez news is just killer to this team. Yeah. It's, people have just been waiting for him to come back, and we just – he's not been healthy this year. It's been really detrimental to this team because he was the only really true returning uh, weekend starter from last year. Yeah. Um, I knew it was going to be a rough year this year, or kind of rough relatively, not because of the lineup. Like, people thought that the offense was going to be the issue. I didn't think so. But the fact that pretty much anyone who pitched on a regular basis last season got drafted, like, that's a lot of spots to fill. And then you had one in um, Gonzo, but he's pitched one time this year, the first game of the year, and he did great, but got injured. So it's just kind of one of those unfortunate things that just kind of happens. Um, and then just kind of going beyond that, I was thinking about this last week. If this year's offense had last year's pitching, they are a top-five team in the country, and I don't think there's any doubt. Yeah, I think this team's offense is a little bit more consistent, but then again, last year just had those big like game-changing players, whether it be sure. the Shara. But this year's team is five guys hitting above 300. That is true, but yeah, but again, it goes back to what you're saying, which the combined this year, last year's pitching with this year's offense, yeah, you're right. Top five, no for doubt. Sure. It just comes down to that. I think also it has to deal with Tim Hudson not being on the pitching staff anymore. I think that's yeah. a big. I think that's a big, big factor as well. Um, that was a huge loss and a lot bigger of a loss than I feel like a lot of people thought. Mm-hmm. Um, he went over to coach the Lee Scott Academy Warriors here in Auburn. Um, so, yeah, I just – I wish I could have retained him. I mean, I, I know that it's a lot of time for for Tim Hudson Sanders, not a lot of money, and it's not like he needs it anyway. So I completely get why it was a logical move for him. Um, you know, I, he's got kids, so I completely get wanting to spend time with your family, um, sort of like the reason Tom Brady finally hung it up after all this time. But it's just kind of – it really makes you wonder how different things would be going if Tim Hudson was still the pitching coach. Because if you notice, three mound visits now, it's not even the pitching coach that goes out there. It's Butch. Yeah, that's true. It's going to be – yeah, that really is a big piece that we're missing. Just, But then again, like, I do think people's expectations were a little bit too high going into Auburn baseball this year. For sure. I mean, I was, the, I was a little bit more reserved because I'm like – everyone's like, why are we not ranked top 25? I'm like, well – it's hard to be ranked after you lose. Well, I'll be kind and give it sixty-five percent of your pitching staff, or sixty-five percent of your your raw your pitching roster. I'm not gonna lie; I think that number's a little low. Yeah, Are I you mean, talking about just guys in general, or guys that actually pitch on a regular basis? I'll give it the people who pitched on a regular basis. I would say it's more like eighty. Yeah, I guess the only one coming back, I guess, would potentially semi allsup, and then. Um, Gonzo, of course, but also was a staple in the midweeks last year. And he was just—I know last year he was just inconsistent a little bit. Like some days he'd go for ten strikeouts in four or five innings, and then some, some of the days he had to struggle to get out of the second inning. But yeah, just his inconsistencies really hurt us this year. It's yeah. not been—it's hard to watch sometimes, honestly. It is. Um, like. It makes me think of that Georgia series where Auburn wins the first two games and has a great opportunity to sweep and then gives up probably, like, I, I looked back t- for, like, the last 30 years and couldn't find an inning worse than that. I think it was the eighth inning against Georgia hmm. um, when Auburn gave up 16 runs in one inning. 
So, yeah, it's just so... Man, this team has shown promise. Like, they're not inherently bad. I mean, when you compare them to last year's team, they're pretty bad. But, I mean, I think well, they're better than the 2021 team who that didn't make it to the tournament. You got to also remember, like, last year's team, like, was struggled down the stretch. If it sure. wasn't for a very, very, very good start to the year, we would not have been a one. We were already a question mark. How is this team still hosting a regional? Yeah. So, we got in off of that. I mean, losing the first round of the SEC tournament to Kentucky – and then we kind of breezed through the off regional and then went to Corvallis. But then again, it just shows like with baseball, it's just such a random sports on that. where it's like Ole Miss was the last team to get into the tournament. They were yeah. the three seed for the last three seed, last power five team to get in. And they made, they won the whole thing. So it's just about it. Baseball for college baseball is really about just getting hot at the right time. That's why we don't see teams like Tennessee last year, who's quote unquote the best collegiate baseball team ever didn't make it to Omaha they lost in three games in Knoxville Knoxville Super Regional Notre Dame it's just about getting a good draw and being it right now like I don't know what the current draw is for Auburn it's potential it's going to be hard because the top 16 teams I think there's like six of them in the SEC and you can't go to an SEC team in the first round so that's potentially scary considering teams like you could go to, I mean, Boston College has been pretty good. Campbell, Coastal Carolina, Wake, um, who else? Like maybe like a Virginia type of team. Just this, you're limiting – being in the SEC is great, but then it limits your options when it comes to this if you're not one of those top echelon teams. Yeah. Um, however, this year for Auburn, I feel like no matter where they end up, if they somehow, some way get into the tournament, that's a win. I, I think so, yeah. You think they will? Or you think that'd be a big win if they do? Or, I mean, obviously it would be, but, like, how... Let me rephrase that. That's kind of a confusing way I worded that. Oh, good. How likely is it, do you think, that Auburn sees baseball action post-Hoover? Um, this is tough. Um, your last three series go South Carolina, number three team in the nation, LSU at home, number one team in the nation, and then Ole Miss... At, on the road, and then it goes – or last four, sorry. And then Missouri at home has been in and out of being ranked this year. I think to have a realistic chance of getting it, you – I'd say get two of six from the three and the one seed overall in the nation. I got to get one in Columbia and potentially one at home against LSU. And then I think you have to take both series versus Missouri. And then you can't mess up against Sanford and Jacksonville State in the midweeks. Yeah. Um – one good thing for Auburn right now is that, if you're unfamiliar, the layout of the SEC in baseball is there is an East and a West like football, the same teams and the same division. And for the SEC tournament located in Hoover, Alabama, um, the top six in each division go. So right now, Missouri is left out in the East and Ole Miss is left out in the West, which is crazy to think about, but they have a similar issue to Auburn where Pretty much anyone who played a big role in that team last year got drafted, which is the case for most teams that win a national championship. Wait, so the SEC baseball tournament, the top, the only the, only the top six in each. So the only twelve teams go out of fourteen. Okay. So the good thing for Auburn is that they're seven eleven in conference play, and Ole Miss is three and fifteen. So seeing Ole Miss, you know, catch up to Auburn is pretty unlikely. 
Auburn's also ahead of Mississippi State, so there's a cushion there. So seeing Auburn get the Hoover is pretty much safe. Um, there was some talk earlier in the year that wouldn't be that that it's fine. They're going Hoover, but beyond that, I I don't think I don't think this team has what it takes to do the things that you said it would take to lock them into the uh, NCAA tournament. I mean, you never know the the committee also always looks very highly at that SEC schedule. The thing that's going to hurt them a lot, I think, is that three and nine away record. That is brutal, yeah. absolutely brutal. Three and nine on the road. You've not won a series yet on the road. You got you got swept by Arkansas. You got um, you only won one game at Florida, which is pretty good. Florida's t- now number six in the nation, I think. Um, you lost to Georgia Tech on a walk-off Grand Slam. You won one game in Tuscaloosa, and then now you're facing the gauntlet. I really think that. They and they lost to the UAB. They need a sweep in Oxford. That'd be a tough place to do, but yeah, that's probably be one. Um, I think I think it's more likely, honestly, they take a game from LSU than taking a game from South Carolina. If I gotta be honest, just the way that, because South Carolina, the way they swept Florida and everything, and LSU has won their last couple series. I think two one besides Ole Miss this past couple weekend. I've been looking at it, mm-hmm. so I think it helps if you're you can potentially take one from LSU, but you gotta make you gotta throw your guys on every night. Like you gotta match up with their not as great pitcher and stuff like that. Even though they're really good still. But it's gonna be an uphill battle to get to the tournament, Daniel. Yeah, uh it will be. And I'm interested to see exactly what it would take for the committee to decide to give Auburn a free an admission into the tournament. But, you know, we gotta get through Hoover first and you, we can't have lose, a, you can't lose in one game in Hoover this year. No. And we have a lot more to talk about. So we're going to step away for a second. When we get back, I think we're going to hop into the NFL draft. Not sure. We're hopping into MB, uh, MLB. Okay. We'll be right back. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Locke, Griggs Blankenberg, over there to my left. We... Spent some time before the break talking about Auburn baseball and how up and down of a year it's been and how it's probably going to cost them in the end. But now it's time to go to another area of baseball that, for me, right now, is looking better than I thought it would at this current point in the year. Yes, we are talking about the MLB keeping it in on the diamond. Let's start off like we normally do in the American League. Let's read it down, starting in the East. The Tampa Bay Rays are still hold. The best record in baseball with a 20-5 and record. They lead the American League East by three and a half games over the Baltimore Orioles, followed then by the Toronto Blue Jays, New York Yankees, and the Boston Red Sox. It's pretty good. How are you feeling? You said you're better than you thought to be at this point, but sure. fi- sitting 500, what, any thoughts on that? I mean, yeah. Um, things have been inconsistent, obviously, which that's – the definition of a 500 team. I mean, sometimes important factors go well, sometimes they don't. Um, but we're only like seven and a half back in the division. Like we're not winning. The, we're not winning the division. That thought never even entered my mind. But the Yankees are only a game and a half in front of us, and the Blue Jays are only four. And the AL East is so tough. They're going to have three teams in the playoffs this year. So. You don't have that far. You really don't. 
they're not out of it at all. Mm, and yeah. the crazy thing is that they're 500 and in last place when and okay, the Red Sox would be in second place in the AL Central, uh fourth place in the AL West, third place in the NL East, um fourth place in the NL Central and they would be tied for third in the NL West. So put the Red Sox in any other division, preferably the NL Central, and things are looking very good. The gauntlet that is the in the NL Central. Um, uh, I'm at AL Central. Uh, well, yeah, that's just weird. I heard about something yesterday. The the American League Central, the Minnesota Twins currently lead that division, 14 and 11. They are two games ahead of the Cleveland Guardians, 12 and 13. Detroit Tigers, 9 and 14. Chicago White Sox, 7 and 18. And the Kansas City Royals, 6 and 19. I heard this, just talking about this yesterday, the way the White Sox played in 2020. It's just, or 2020-2021. It's just crazy to see them at this point now. They were like, I think I saw them, Jerry Carabas, they're like 86 and 96 since they made the postseason back in like 2021, I think. Yeah. It's, and- it's still the same core. They only lost like a Brayu. That's it. Yeah, and last year they were one of the preseason favorites to win it all. They were my favorite to win it all. Yeah, and they're just one of those teams that in the last couple of years, like Jacob Hillman said it during our MLB special last year, they're I'm just going to pick them until they win it. Like that, I have a feeling he and probably you are going to rethink that next year. Yeah, I did. I did. Unlike him, I did not. I'm not saying that for this year at all. But yes, but. Yeah, the NL Central, the AL Central is just weird, man. Just not a lot of good teams in there right now. Not really competitive at all. Yeah, um, I like I said, I wish the Red Sox were in that division. Moving on to the AL West, it is the Texas Rangers who are in first place, fourteen and ten. They are a half game above the Houston Astros, and they are a half game ahead of the Los Angeles Angels. Three ahead of the Seattle Mariners, and in last place, the worst record in baseball is the Oakland Athletics. It's pretty unfortunate. I'm surprised the Rangers have been able to hold on to it for this long. I thought, well, Houston is coming, but coming back a little bit more. But I thought that teams like the Mariners would make it a little bit more competitive. That's kind of, the Mariners' start to the season is really disappointing for me to see. Yeah, it um kind of has early signs of last year being a one-year wonder kind of thing. Mm. Um. I mean, obviously it's too early to make an assumption like that. Like, most teams have only played 26, 27, 28 games, somewhere in that range. So, obviously still a lot of baseball to play. But, yeah, I I think the I think the Rangers are decent this year. I really do. Plus 56 run differential. Um, that's always good when you have a green number there. Mm-hmm. Moving on over to the National League now, it is the Atlanta Braves leading the way, tied for the best record in the National League with 17-8. and eight. They are three games ahead of the Mets, five games ahead of the Marlins, as well as the Phillies, and seven ahead of the Washington Nationals. Yeah, the Mets aren't very good. I'm still, kidding. I still wish. somehow in the East. Yeah, they're not great, but then again, like, if the Braves don't win this division, I think it's seen as a massive failure. Oh, yeah. Like um, I'd be very disappointed. If, like if I was a Braves fan, I'd be very upset if I, the Braves did not win this because that means something would have had to gone horribly wrong. True, and it would be the sixth straight year that they did. So it's always fun to have little things like that. 
again, I just I think the Phillies will make a run for it later on. Just when once they get Harper back and a few other pieces, just right now it's just not like they're not as consistent as they should be with the roster that they have because it's it's really everyone but Reese Hopkins and Bryce Harper who aren't playing right now. Yeah. Moving on to the Amer the NL Central leading the way, tied for the best record in the National League. It is the Pittsburgh Pirates, holding a record of seventeen and eight. They are eight and two in their last ten. Followed by the Milwaukee Brewers, one game back. The Chicago Cubs, three games back. Cincinnati Reds, seven games back. And the worst record in the American, the NL Central, are the St. Louis Cardinals. This is one of my biggest shocks to start the year because mm-hmm. I think I can't remember who I picked to win the World Series. I want to say it might have been St. Louis. I can't remember. I think you might have said the Braves or something. I can't remember. I that. wouldn't have said the Braves. Um. I think he said it was Cardinals Yankees. I think. Yeah, maybe so. I think so. Um, now I'm curious. So while you're talking, I'm gonna text Noah Phillips in the other room to look or go back and listen to it. But yeah, I just again, it would look more realistic if you flip the Pirates and the Cardinals right now. Be like, okay, I expect that Pirates to be in last, Cardinals to be in first. But the way the Pirates have been playing right now, they just not a lot of. I don't even think O'Neill Cruz is back healthy yet. Which is crazy to think about, and they're still doing this, seventeen and eight. I mean, I think the Brewers can catch up to them. I don't know. The Cubs are sneaky, not bad, but I don't know if they're good enough to get to that spot yet. Especially with Bellinger on paternity leave now, but yeah, I mean, this is going to be an interesting division because I do think the Cardinals will come back a little bit. It's just going to be a matter of how many games ahead can the Pirates get in that time frame where they give themselves a nice leeway. Hey, man. If the Pirates can somehow hang on, that would be pretty awesome, admittedly. I mean, yeah, I'd rather it be them than any other team in the division. But, yeah. Moving on to the a- the NL West, still the top uh, of the division are the Arizona Diamondbacks, 14-12. and 12. They are a half game ahead of the second-place Dodgers, a game ahead of the Padres, two ahead of the Giants, and six ahead of the Rockies. I did not expect this to be the most contested, tightly no. contested division in baseball. Me neither, but I've been enjoying it. Um, I've been staying up late to catch some West Coast baseball. I, I really have. Um, have I had to sleep in some mornings because of that? Oh, yeah, but you know, I'm really enjoying how tight this division is, and it feels like September in May or April. Yeah, it's April. Almost May. Almost May, a few days. But yeah, I did not. Ex- we we've said it for like the past couple shows. Like we did not expect us the Diamondbacks to be there the next time we did the show, and they just keep showing up. Yep, and it's been cool. And now the question is, are they going to be able to keep it that way? I think they could. Um, or, eh, I don't. They're going to need to get. They're going to need to catch some breaks. Sure. I think. But yeah. So let's go to the stats real quick. So leading the way in the MLB with a 421 batting average is Luis Aras from the Miami Marlins with a 421, followed by Matt Chapman, Ronald Acuna Jr., Brandon Marsh, and Bryson Scott. Most home runs in the league belongs to Max Muncie of the Dodgers, 11 home runs, followed by Pete Alonso of the Mets with 10. Patrick Wisdom of the Cubs with nine, as well as Rafael Devers of the Red Sox, and Rowdy Tellez with eight, rounding out the bottom. I love Rafael Devers. That's my hero. That's your hero. Yeah. Hmm. 
Um, Adolis Garcia for Texas has the RBI leader with 29. Ronald Acuna has the most hits in the league with 37, as well as the most stolen bases, 13. He's three more than anyone else. Um, leading the way for pitchers wins is Joe Ryan with five, followed by earn run average Sony Gray of the Minnesota Twins with a .62 ERA. He is one of three pitchers with a sub-1 ERA so far this season, along with Shohei Otani of the Angels with a .64 and Garrett Cole of the Yankees with a .79. Josh Hader leads the way and saves with nine. Zach Gallen of the Arizona Diamondbacks with the most strikeouts with 51. And a three, a five-way tie for quality starts with four. Clayton Kershaw, Garrett Cole, Kevin Gossman, Marcus Stroman, and Chris Bassett. And that is your MLB stats. Very solid stuff, and I think that's going to wrap us up on the MLB today. I think it is, but when we come back, we are going to get into the world of the NBA playoffs. A lot of series going a lot longer than people thought. A lot of tightly contested series this playoffs. We got you covered on the uh, the other half of the break. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. And, Griggs, I found out some history about the eagle's nest that sits on top of the Haley Center yesterday. Let's hear it. It is, was a, established before World War II, and that's just an assuring fact to me because there's another pretty infamous eagle's nest that I didn't realize was a thing when I named this show in the fall of my freshman year. Um, if you have a history textbook, you can learn about that. Um, but if you want to see Griggs and I do an off-site show in the eagle's nest, the Eagle's Nest, in the Eagle's Nest, let us know, and we'll start the process of trying to make that happen. It can't be that hard, right? Probably won't happen in the next two weeks, but... No, no, that'd be a, maybe a kickoff the fall type of deal. Potentially. Well, let's get into the NBA talk. So far, it's been one of the best NBA playoffs to date. We'll kick it off what happened last night. The Miami Heat take the series over the number one seed Milwaukee Bucks, 4-1, to winning 128-126 in overtime with Jimmy Bus- Jimmy Butler forcing a overtime in a spectacular shot, grabs the ball off the inbound and puts it up with barely any time left. And the Heat win off Grayson Allen getting the ball, pump faking and deciding to drive with one second left. You a big Grayson Allen guy? Absolutely not. But spoiler <laughs> alert, that did not work because Grayson Allen, that could have worked if there was two or three seconds left on the clock, but there was only one second when he started to drive, and he was going in for either a layup or a floater. And the Bucks lost the series. I so. love it. I've never been a Bucks guy. Anyone who knows me knows I dislike the Milwaukee Bucks, something fierce. I'm not big on Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, so just seeing the Heat, a team that I do like, just because I like the brand of basketball they play, get it done and move on and have a chance for the Celtics to have a little bit easier of a matchup later on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Okay. <laughs> yeah, this is this makes me happy. Heat all day. Jimmy Buckets. Yeah, Giannis refused to call the season a failure. I mean, I guess if he played one of the games he was injured in, it could have been different a different series. But then again, I mean, Jimmy Butler's been unconscious this playoffs. He's really found a way to just power through and win these games for them. Um, also last night, the New York Knicks defeat the Cleveland Cavaliers to win the series 4-1. to one. 
they are going to face the Heat in the next round. Or wait. Yes, they are. Yeah. Knicks will be playing the Heat. They beat the Cavs last night, 106-95 in Cleveland to win the series for 4 to 1 despite Donovan Mitchell having 28 points for the Cavaliers and the Knicks are moving on with a shot to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. Be a very interesting series especially if they win this and it's they get the winner of Boston and the 76ers. Oh yeah. Also last night we had the Lakers being defeated by the Memphis Grizzlies in game 5. LA still up 3 to 2. Grizzlies win 116-99. Desmond Bain shoots 33 points, 10 rebounds. He's the leading scorer in that game. But Anthony Davis led the way for the Lakers with 31 points, 19 rebounds and the Grizzlies are going back to crypto.com arena to try to force a game 7. Oh, I hate that name so much. <laughs> but Yes, I'm. The Grizzlies are a team I like to see succeed. Um, the Lakers are my least favorite team in the NBA. So if the Grizzlies can somehow, some way, pull off this comeback, I will be over the moon about it. Also, last night it was the Warriors defeating the Kings, one twenty-three, one sixteen, off of Steph Curry's thirty-one points. Golden State now leads the series three to two, going back to Oakland, California, to take on the for the Kings in Game 6. San Francisco. Oh, yeah, now San Francisco. Yep, Oakland's lost its teams. Lost everyone. Officially. Um, mm, the Warriors uh, started the series down 2-0, came back now 3-2. They're going to try to close it out at the Chase Center, I believe, on Saturday night. And those were your games from Wednesday. Now to talk about tonight, 7.30 p.m. Uh, Central Standard Time. It is the Boston Celtics traveling to State Farm Arena to take on the Atlanta Hawks, 7.30 on TNT, for a chance to play the 76ers in the quarter conference semifinals. The Eagles now will have on clouds on the ground at this game. Are you going? I am. That's fun. Hopefully. But, but your thoughts going into this one? Oh, man. We just can't blow it again. Um, the 76ers finished off the Nets what feels like a week ago. They've been resting this whole time. They've been working out kinks. Like Joel Embiid's been able to just rest. And the obviously the Celtics haven't gotten that luxury. They've had to play. And the this I have to give a lot of credit to the Hawks. They have given these Celtics a lot tougher of a battle than I thought they would. But Boston needs this. Like they need to finish it off tonight. I really don't want to see this go to a Game 7. And I'm not saying the series is over if it goes to a Game 7 because it's in Boston. So if it goes to Game 7, I still think the Celtics win. Like, I don't think the Celtics are going to lose two games in a row uh, or three games in a row. So I really see the Celtics winning the series either tonight or I guess that'd be um, Saturday or Sunday. I'm not exactly sure. I think Saturday. But, um, yeah, I just I really want to see the Celtics win tonight, wrap it up, get a little bit of rest before a very, very tough battle against the Philadelphia 76ers. Because I think the win- if it ends up being Celtics-Sixers, I think the winner of that is going to the Eastern Conference Finals, or is going to represent the um, East in the NBA Finals. Like, I think it's going to be one of those two. What, what's a way the Celtics lose tonight? Um, if Jason Tatum just doesn't show up, that's one. 
Um, the Celtics have been very good from beyond the arc this year. If they just aren't falling, that's that's another way. Um, they're without Danilo Gallinari tonight. The Hawks have no injured players, which is good. I, I hate injuries, and I want every team to be at full strength because that's when you get the best product. So um, a few other ways the Celtics could lose. I mean, just foul trouble, um, mental errors, just the typical things that – um, make a team prone to getting upset. Pro tip for Trey Young: just don't foul him. Sure. And I think also, I mean, I mean, he had his game last game. That was the Trey Young game. So yeah, TM got, got that got that out the way. But Boston's a six and a half point favorite tonight. I mean, they do everything you say. I think they can cover that easy. But if they make it, cl- if if they let the Hawks. Here's the thing about the Celtics I've seen. They play down in their competition sometimes. Sure. Yeah, they Where were, that can come back to hurt them. I want to say this year – sorry to interrupt you. No, you're good. I want to say this year – I don't know this for a fact, but I think the Celtics had a losing record against teams that will be in the lottery. I never. I know they never lost to the Hornets, I don't think. But, I mean, I, that, I, you see that with teams sometimes. Like, the teams yeah. will, like, who were played not great versus teams who were not great as well, but then – go go crazy when they're playing a good team sure. but yeah i mean i mean atlanta hawks atmosphere is not that great so the no. celtics i think the celtics should win tonight i think they should win i i think it'll be not be as close i think it'll be the win by like seven or eight so i don't think i think they'll cover but yeah because that they, we've already had the trey young game so yeah. i don't think you gotta worry too too yeah. much just don't give al horford the last shot no no don't, absolutely don't do that again I mean, would it have been cool if it fell? Yes. But that's just kind of – it's sort of like if – I don't just, know. I'm just surprised they kept Trey Young out there for that one. I am one. too. Um, so Friday now, 7 p.m. on ESPN, it's the Kings and the Warriors at the Chase Center in San Francisco, California. Warriors trying to close this one out to go to the conf- uh, to go to the um, conference semifinals. I believe they would play the Nuggets next. Or wait, no, that's the that's who the Suns are playing. I are they playing the winner of Lakers game? Um, I think so. It's kind of hard to tell. Like the NBA doesn't have like a bracket you can go look at. It's so annoying. Yeah, I hold on. So it's the Nuggets and the Suns. So they'd have to play the Lakers next, right? Or am I going crazy? I think you're right. Don't quote me on that. Because there's though. eight teams. There's two of them already. So down to four. So it'd have to be one of these two. Because it's the two seven and the three seven, yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's the three, it's the three um, six matchup and the um, two seven. So yeah, that's how it would be. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's how it works. So, I mean, I think the Warriors close it out tonight. I mean, after that, they just have so. This is where you just get all that playoff experience. They just have so much of it where they know what it's like to be in the situation. They know how to grind it out in the end. They like. Yes, they didn't play that well in the season this year, but they're thirty three and eight at home. Yeah. So I think they close it out tonight. I think they shut off the beam, but No, this has been a great series. I mean, especially with the Kings starting off the series as two oh and then now the Warriors coming back. But it's just that's so much of that experience. When you have three guys who've been to Curry's won four four championships already with three with those three same guys with Clay and Draymond, they know how to get it done. They do. And just to kind of retweet what you just said, that playoff experience means the world. 
and that makes the difference. And I feel like we're kind of, I don't know, I mean, both the Grizzlies and the Lakers have seen a good amount of playoff action over the past couple seasons, but obviously, like, LeBron has more playoff experience than just about anyone playing today. In fact, I probably the only person who even comes close is Steph Curry, and it's still probably not even remotely close. But they still have the same number of finals. Sure. Crazy. But, yeah, I mean, I think the Warriors close it out tonight. Um, and uh, No, Friday night. And then also on Friday night, it's Grizzlies-Lakers, 3-2 LA leads. Grizzlies forced a game six. I don't know what to think about this one. I don't either. This is a true head scratcher. Um, because if the Lakers play like they've been playing the past couple games, then the Lakers should win. But if the Grizzlies play like they have been all year before the playoffs, the Grizzlies should win. Um, let me look at the injury report, see if I can see anything. Um, I mean, Luke Kennard's doubtful. Um, no one for the Lakers. But I don't know. When you're a uh, leading point scorer in these playoffs is Austin Reeves with 13, that's usually not going to get the job done. Right. So you're going to need someone to score more than 13 average that. And I'm not seeing any no, – no AD or no LeBron in any of the points, rebounds, assists category for their leading thing. So that's how you win this game. That's a, You have to have one of those – you have to have your big-name players step up. You can't just always rely on Austin Reeves and Rui Hachimura to score a combined 50 points. And But then again, John – I mean, if John, Jaron, Jackson just – Hold court. I mean, they can do. It. I mean, I can't imagine what's going to be said at Dylan Brooks on Friday night, but I think the Lakers will get this one done. It's going to be. I think it's going to be very close. That four and a half line has got me really worried about that. I think it's going to be. I don't think that's going to cover. As much as I would love to disagree, I can't. You think so. it's going to be the Lakers? Yeah. Yeah. Just, especially with it being at home and just the Grizzlies are 16 and 25 away from home this year when they hold when they they already hold a 51 and 31 record so they only lost six games at home this year. Mhm. So Yeah, it's going to be an interesting series if this one goes to a game 7, I think anything could happen. So You are wrong. You are not wrong. That is going to do it for our basketball talk. When we come back, we're going to take it over to the rink. We got all the NHL coverage you need coming up next. Do not go anywhere. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. It's a little cold in here. Um, during the break, Griggs and I drove the Zamboni over to Florida, You know, resurfaced the ice to have a fresh sheet to talk about the NHL. Yeah, let's talk about some hockey. So let's start talking about Tuesday night. The Islanders defeat the Carolina Hurricanes at home to the sheer joy of the Eagles' nest. That's a fist bump right there. The Islanders are still down <laughs> 3-2 in the series, but they're going back to Long Island to UBC Are- UBS Arena. Um, Yeah, I hope the Islanders can pull that one out. Oh, yes. Moving on to the uh, Dallas where the Dallas Stars now hold a 3-2 lead over the series, defeating the Wild 4-0. Show stomping. They scored a goal in each period. They did not look back. Um, Oettinger had 27 saves. Good night for him. And then the ugh. And then the Kings-Oilanders matchup. The Oilanders win 6-3 over the Kings. They have a 3-2 hold on the series, and the game is going back to Crypto.com Arena to try to finish that one out for the Oilers. And then last night, the Florida Panthers defeat the Boston Bruins in overtime at uh, the Garden 
three four to three. Boston still leads the series three two. It's going back to Florida though off a Matthew Tuchuk goal in overtime to win. Uh, Olmark gives the puck away, try to slip it across the boards outside, hits someone's stick, and Tuchuk puts it in the back of the net. This one's going back to Florida. Yeah. Um I was listening to the radio broadcast while I was at the library studying because, you know, it's almost finals week mm-hmm. and every student has a million things to do and not that much time to do it. So you got to watch the game and work at the same time. Unfortunately, I can't do that because I just can't focus like that. Mm-hmm. So I had to listen to the game. Um, but, man, I was disappointed. I They had a golden opportunity to go ahead and put the series away. But now, just like the Celtics, they have to play game six. And if both of my teams blow a 3-1 lead, I that's going to hurt bad. Yeah. But you still hold control over the series. they got to go back to Boston no matter what Yeah, if they lose on um, Friday. But, I mean, yeah, this is a little bit scary. Who would they play in the next round? Um, I don't know, because the NHL doesn't just... I don't get the NHL... Do they reseed? Or do they do it like... Or it's like high seed plays the lowest? No, they just don't really have a bracket that you can go look at, which is so annoying. We've already talked about that a little bit with the other ones, too. So they'd be the one the, the ones playing the four, so they would they play the Maple Leafs-Tampa Bay winner? That'd be my guess. I think that... Because it goes division... You play the division first. One team comes out of division. Yeah, okay. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they play the Leafs and the Lightning. So... What you don't really want to have happen, which is the same thing kind of the Celtics, is the Leafs close it out tonight and then just get all this rest, especially if it goes to a Game 7. Sure. That's what you don't really want to But, yeah. Um, Kraken defeating the Avalanche. The Seattle Kraken take down the defending Stanley Cup champions 3-2 in Colorado, winning that one, three, uh, holding the series lead 3-2. They're going to go back to Climate Pledge Arena to try to close out Game 6 and win their first playoff series as a franchise. Obviously, it's not quite as like amazing as what the Golden Knights did in their first year, but this is still pretty darn cool. Mm-hmm. Um, to see this team have they took a completely different um, approach that than the Golden Knights did. In they the went all young draft, right? They went like Rick said. They went all young um, and put together a team that will be able to compete for years to come. And I think they're just going to get better. Um, I definitely could see the Kraken winning a cup within the next five years or so. Yeah, especially with the kind of like you said, they built for long term success. Where we we're lo- looking at a draft, they're taking a lot of AHL players. Like, what are they doing right now? Mm-hmm. Like, they're not taking a lot of older guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, also you got to remember, Cal McCart was suspended for this game, so he he's I'd probably put him as the number two player in hockey behind McDavid. Um, but I think Colorado would still win this series. There's something in the back of my head. Just once they get McCarr back, they can do whatever they want on the ice. Yeah. Um, let's go to Thursday now. So tonight, the Lightning are taking on the Maple Leafs. Toronto looking for their first series win since the early 2000s. Trying to close out the last three-time uh, Eastern Conference champion Tampa Bay Lightning. Two of the last three Stanley Cups. Let's go Lightning. That's the one time in the playoffs I'll say that. Um, I think the Leafs should close it out just the way they played the series so far. But I don't know. I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised at the Lightning going, especially when we're talking about playoff experience. I mean, they've the Tampa Bay's played a lot of hockey in the last four years, Daniel. 
Oh, for sure. Um, moving on, 6.30 p.m. on ESPN2. It's the Rangers taking on the Devils. This series is tied 2-2 after the Rangers opened up with a 2-0 series win. No team has won at home yet. It is at the Prudential Center in Newark, Newark New Jersey. Friend of the show, Harrison Tarr, has decided to become a Rangers fan, much to my chagrin. I'm cheering for the Rangers this of playoffs, course, but you of know why. everyone is. You know why. I, I know why. You're, you're. But why is he cheering for them? I saw him tweet about it. I'll, I'll explain off the air. <laughs> but, yes, I got – yeah, I'm going with the Rangers the rest of the way. I want 88 to win another cup. Um, But this Devils team's no pushover, Daniel. Like, the no. team they have – very, very good. I mean, they're 52-22-8 this season. So, I don't know if the away trend is going to continue where the away team wins each matchup, but I don't know, man. But that, that Devils team is really – this is the most toss-up, I think, playoff series we have still left. I would agree. And it's just so weird because seeing teams have so much success on the road is like the opposite of, of what the, hockey should be, yeah. Right. Um, so it's just so unprecedented. Like It makes me think of the first-round series between the Bruins and the Canes last year where the home team didn't lose. Um, the Bruins ended up losing the series because you know, they, the, they didn't have home ice uh, the whole way like um, Carolina did. But, you know, it's just one of those things. Um, like, for example, it translates to all sports, I feel like, because mm-hmm. now – if the Celtics can make it out of this series, which, fingers crossed, they get it done tonight, they have home court up until the finals. So that could be huge because, you know, last year in the Eastern Conference Finals, they didn't have home court. But this year, if it makes it there, they'll have it. So it's imperative that they get it done. Mm-hmm. Both teams, any team, home ice, home court, home field is crucial. And yeah, it's the exact opposite of how hockey usually is, and like, sure. it's kind of weird seeing it like this. Which again, like the exact opposite. So if it goes the same way as it did, then the Rangers should win this series. Then I agree. Um, final game of tonight it is at nine p.m. ESPN two. It is Jets at the Golden Knights at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. The Knights are looking to close this series out, currently leading three one in the series. Getting this one for forty bucks. So let me ask you this. Which one of these, if either, was more likely to appear on the Griggs Blankenberg NHL bingo card back in October? The Jets or the Golden Knights? Or, excuse me, not the Golden Knights. The Jets or the Kraken getting into the playoffs? Because they were both pretty abysmal last year. I'd just probably say the Jets because, I, again, I, when I see that they have a, they've been around for a while. Like, Did you see either one coming in October? I didn't. No, I did not, no. I did not. Especially- I think Vancouver. To get back, especially not like, especially not the the Kraken, cause just because of the season they had last year. Like I didn't think they picked up enough pieces to get to this, to the playoffs this year. But then again, I mean this Jets team's been pretty good this year. I mean they've, I mean that Pacific Division in the West was not really the most competitive, or the top two or three were competitive, but then this four spot, the Jets, I just didn't really, really see much coming from it. Yeah, I agree. Moving on to a little Friday action. It is the Hurricanes at the Islanders. Hurricanes looking to close the series out 3-2, but not so fast. The Islanders are currently the favorite to win this one. They have the ice, and Carolina's just 
I don't know what to think about this one. I think I the don't Island, either. I think the Islanders can win this one, but I still feel like no matter what, the Canes are going to win the series, which is unfortunate, but that's what's going to have to happen, I think. Yep, and then 30 minutes later at 6.30 p.m. Central Time on TNT, the puck drops in Sunrise, Florida, between the Bruins and the Florida Panthers. Man, I hope the Bruins get it done. Um, it's funny, I'm the way it, things kind of shook out this weekend – I'm going to Atlanta back-to-back-to-back days. Um, Tonight, I'm going to the Hawks-Celtics game. Uh, Tomorrow night, me and Weagle alum and legend Jacob Goins are going to Atlanta to see the one and only Cody Johnson in concert. And then the following night, I'm going to see Taylor Swift. So, Hmm. just... (laughs) Yeah, and there's so much playoff uh, stuff I'm going to be missing, particularly the Bruins. Um, As much as I love Cody Johnson, you better believe I'm going to be checking my phone during the show. (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, Bruins should take care of this one. If Pasternak just takes care of business, I think they can do it. But just don't let the Chuck get hot, really. I think that's the thing. And as long as Olmark doesn't make any bad mistakes, I think they can take care of this one. Yeah. Stars at Wild. The Dallas Stars will currently hold the 3-2 series lead. I'm going to go with the Stars. I think they'll close it out. But I would not be surprised if the goalkeeping of the Wild can shut them down. In the slightest. I agree. Um, the Wild are good. And if anyone in the West can give Dallas a challenge, I really think it's them because the Stars are good. Mm-hmm. And finally, 9 p.m. on TNT, we go to Seattle, Washington, to Climate Pledge Arena. It is the Avalanche versus the Kraken. The Colorado are the favorites on the line of minus 160. Over under in this one is eight or six goals. Again, like I said, I think the Avalanche are going to win with getting McCarr back. You got Nathan McKinnon. I think they can just do it. It's just a matter of can their goalkeeping hold up to stop this crack. And I think with Cal McCarr being able to back to slow them down more, I think they can. I would agree. Um, they'll definitely have their work cut out for them. And then, like we were kind of talking about in the NBA segment, some teams have just built up playoff experience that others don't. Pretty much, I would guess that Hmm. What do you think the uh, the amount of playoff experience of the average member of the, set, the Seattle Kraken is? Because it's got to be less than two appearances. Well, judging since they've already played five games. Oh no, no, I mean like <laughs> I mean total. Times. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, like I know it's got to average out to maybe a little over a game a player potentially sure. from other players they brought. I don't really know who they brought in, but yeah, I mean, but with the Avalanche, you at least got people who. At least half your team has won a cup. Mm-hmm. That's guaranteed. It's just a matter of can they just outlast this like young core and just get the job done, really. And I think they can. Yeah. That is going to do it for our talk on the NHL. When we come back, we have 30 minutes of draft talk. The Carolina Panthers are on the clock. We're going to talk about that and much, much more coming up in the second half of the show. Do not go anywhere. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the second hour of the Eagles Nest here in Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Lott, Griggs Blankenberg to my right. Yeah, right. Yes. Uh, cardinal directions are hard. <laughs> um, we kicked off today's show by talking about Auburn baseball and how inconsistent it's been. And we talked about the MLB, the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, and now it is time to talk about one of the most 
hard to predict events in sports, the NFL draft. Yes, NFL is king. Tonight, the night where a lot of these young men's dreams will come true as they will be drafted to the National Football League, live from Kansas City, um, Missouri, where the team, where the defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs were, will host this event. It is going to be three days, so round one will be tonight. Rounds two and three will be on Friday, and four, five, six, and seven will be on Saturday. This is one of those kind of like niche things that's on my sports bucket list. Like I really want to go to the NFL draft. Uh, it was in Nashville in 2019, and I regret not being there. Uh, it just seems really cool, or mm-hmm. really just any draft for that matter. Um, maybe not MLB because MLB seems to be just the most boring. Like no offense, love baseball, but um, NBA draft or NFL draft, I just I would love to be at it at least once at some point. Mm-hmm. So let's get down to it. We'll go through the draft order first and how it's going to go tonight. Starting off with so the f- before you start, since that's a lot of things to say, we can switch off halfway through. Okay, sounds good. Yeah. All right. So starting off with the first pick in the draft is the Carolina Panthers. They will take they will pick first, followed by the Texans at two, Cardinals at three, Colts at four, Seahawks trading for with five. Um, with the Broncos. Sixth pick are the Detroit Lions. I think they traded with I can't remember who they traded with. I'm not sure either. Yeah, yeah. Uh Raiders at seven. Falcons eight, Bears trading with the Panthers for nine, um, Eagles trading with the Saints. Sure, seventeen Pittsburgh Steelers, eighteen the Detroit Lions again, nineteen the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, twenty the Seattle Seahawks, twenty two is the Los Angeles Chargers, twenty three is the Baltimore Ravens, twenty four is the Minnesota Vikings, twenty five is the Jacksonville Jaguars, twenty six is the New York Giants, twenty seven is the Dallas Cowboys. 28 is the Buffalo Bills, 29 is the Cincinnati Bengals, 30 is the New Orleans Saints by way of trade with the Denver Broncos. By way of the San Francisco 49ers as well. That's right. It was a three. Er, it was the pick moved twice. Yeah. Right. Um, 31st is the um, Philadelphia Eagles, and 32nd is the Kansas City Chiefs. And if you didn't notice, we skipped a number. We did. Why is that, Daniel? Because some people cheat, and cheaters never win. And they didn't get either piece to their win. So they cheated for nothing. We are talking about the Dolphins, who forfeited the 21st overall selection in this year's NFL draft due to tampering with uh, NFL legend Tom Brady and trying to get NFL coach Sean Payton to coach him as well. I think he was still a member of the Saints when that occurred. So that is why they are not picking in this year's first round of the NFL draft. But let's... Start at the top, trading away two first-rounders, two second-rounders, and a third round, I think, in the future. Or no, not a third round. And DJ Moore, the Carolina Panthers, moved up to number one back in March by way of the Chicago Bears to try to change their franchise. Sure did. Oh, it's a big day. It's a big day. I've not picked first since 2011. Daniel, can you remind me who we picked first in 2011? The reigning defending Heisman Trophy winner, national national champion. Sorry. You got it. (laughs) One of the best college quarterbacks ever. None other than Cameron Newton. 
is the last time the Carolina Panthers selected number one overall, the first time they did in franchise history. The picks they have had also number two was Julius Peppers. So the Panthers have a lot of luck sure. picking in the top couple yeah, of spots. That, that made that decade. Mm. And like I know the Panthers aren't that old, but the 2010s are the best decade they've had. Yeah, and then... And we've also had to, and then the year after they draft Luke Keekley. I mean, sure. that's got to be the best two year stretch in draft history for the Panthers. Yeah, but two of the most monumental players in franchise history. And both are no longer on the team. Sad, sad. But this is where it all changes. I know who I want. I know what I want. And my pick has changed since when we originally got on the show from stuff, just by watching stuff, hearing people talk about the different quarterbacks. And I want the Bama boy. Give me Bryce Young, please do. I want Bryce Young. That's who I want. That's who wow. the betting. That's who the betting favorite is. That's who everyone kind of expects. He just is a leader. He knows what it takes to get the job done. You can't teach height, but what he did at Alabama versus SEC defenses is the closest thing you can get to the college level, to the NFL level. I mean, look at what he did to that Georgia defense, the SEC championship game in twenty. What year was that? Twenty twenty one. Yep. Um. Number one for production for quarterbacks, height, weight, speed. Number four, he's got a three for durability, one for intent. General's best mental makeup of any quarterback in the draft, 98% on the C2 test. That's who I want. It's kind of switched from what I wanted with Stroud, just seeing both of them. But the way that Bryce is just able to just conduct himself in the pocket, he's able to be more of a scrambler. He can make it happen more. He can keep plays alive. And let's be honest – they they had a down year last year, but they still they only lost two games last year. But then again, yeah. you got to remember, like, look at the receivers that Stroud had this year compared to the ones that Bryce had this year. Bryce, they didn't really have, they're not going to have a day one receiver Mm-mm. this year. They have they have Jameer Gibbs, but that's about it this year. So, I just like Bryce. I mean, everyone be like, oh, the offensive line. He was had everyone best there. I mean. The Panthers have been building this offensive line. We built the defense the first year, built the offensive line last year. Now we're just got to get this skill piece. And with the veterans that we have on the wide receiver, with Hayden Hurst tied in, Adam Thielen as the wide receiver, as well as DJ Chark, and then now Miles Sanders in the backfield, we kind of reworked all we we worked all the wide receivers, tight ends, and receivers from last year. So I'm confident. I think it's going to be Bryce. I'm really certain, and I'm excited to see what he does, just because the way people have talked about him. I'm a fan of um, Bryce Young's NFL comp. Who is his NFL comp? Kyler Murray. Drew Brees. Ah, yes, I would be if he has a career like Drew Brees, whether it's I top three in like a free passing stat in a Super Bowl, that's good enough for me. I will do that. Will do just fine. That will do just. But yeah, I'm just. It's just a matter of getting through my st- stupid lab final to get to this point tonight. I just want it to happen. Just, I just want to see the commissioner get up there and, and change my life and franchise forever. <laughs> That's what I want. Enough time on the Panthers, though, please. Uh, but let's move to pick number two, Daniel. This is the one that's been interesting. It's been a lot of stuff floated out this week. I think there's a there's three potential picks that they could make, starting off with C.J. Stroud they could take there. I think they could also take uh, Will Ander- uh Will Anderson, Tyree Wilson, or C.J. Stroud. I don't know. I heard this on a podcast the other day. I don't know why in the world they wouldn't take a quarterback. They're going to sell negative tickets next year if they don't with that team. But then again, D'Amico Ryan is a defensive-coordinated head coach, and Mills is proving he's not completely bad. But what are your thoughts on that? Um, I'm with you. Um, In this day and age, you just can't go anywhere or do anything without a quarterback, and fans aren't stupid, and they know that. Um, 
So I think there's going to be, I think um, Young or Stroud, whichever one the Panthers don't take, which it'll probably be Young, uh, I think it's Stroud's going number two to Houston. Mel Kuyper has Houston taking Will Anderson two. Todd McShay has them taking Tyree Wilson number two. I just don't, yeah, like what you said, like you need a quarterback. Like your quarterback room is like Davis Mills, and I think he said, um, I can't remember who they also does. But, yeah, they're just looking. D'Amico Ryans is just a defensive head coach, and they just want to build off that, really. And that's what I've been reading. Um, next pick are the Arizona Cardinals. Now, this has been a talk of the morning. There's a lot of teams potentially wanting to move up to number three. And one team that I think that could work, especially if the Texans do not draft C.J. Stroud. Daniel, what do you think about this? Tennessee Titans. That's who Todd McShay has in his projected huh. trade up to move to get the quarterback if they trade with Arizona to get C.J. Stroud. They would probably be selling in the ballpark of a 2023 second-round pick as well as a first-round swap this year in a 2024 first- or second-round pick. Well, Ryan Tannehill's in the last year of his deal. They've, not, they've shown they're not content on Malik Willis, let's say that. Sure. Because Josh Dobbs, NFL playoff starter now. Shout-out the Titans, but... Yeah, I just, I think that would be smart. But then again, like the Texans, I feel they, I mean, new head coach, new everything. Like, go get a quarterback. What are you doing? But yeah, I think if they keep it with if they keep it with the Cardinals and they don't take Will Anderson, if they, I think the Cardinals will take Will Anderson if the Texans don't take C.J. Stroud or Will Anderson. I agree. So, but if they take Tyree Wilson, then everything's gonna be thrown around a little bit. Moving on down now is the Colts. The talk has been the talk, I think it's going to be Levis. There's a lot of talk coming out of there that they just like his build. It's a pro-Indianapolis style, really, the way he's built. I mean, that'd be a smart pick, I think, too, especially if Stroud is off the board as well. But I just don't see Stroud working in that offense with the new coaching staff there because they got the they get the Eagles offensive or defensive coordinator as their head coach. I think offensive. I could be wrong. I'm gonna look that up. But what do you th- what do you think about um, Will Levis? Oh man, um, he's got a cannon for an arm. That he is a good arm, but I just don't. That's about all I really like. Um, and he didn't really blow me away this year. Yeah, I agree with that, especially with the comps he had kind of coming in. But he was the offensive coordinator. It was um, Shane Steichen, I think is how you pronounce the name. But, yeah, I agree with you. Like, didn't really blow me away. I mean, let's be honest, Kentucky wide receivers. I mean, the past couple years, from what I remember when I saw Kentucky play in the 2019 edition of the Belk Bowl, they were running basically a – what's it called? Um, Georgia Tech running for a while. Um Triple option? Triple option, yeah. yes. That's what they've – I've never really seen Kentucky be a throwing team until he came here from Penn State. So, I mean, that's why I, that's why I kind of bring him back to. But he has the tangibles to be good. I think he could. I mean, he's not the greatest scrambler, but pocket presence, he's really good with it. Hi, Davis. It's all good. Um, but, Daniel, I'm going with – I think Levis is the pick for them because I yeah. think he'll still be available at four no matter who – if there's any trades in the top three or anything like that. I think so too. Um, number five, Seattle. Now this before, one is tricky. Now before I say that, with Seattle, I mean they only signed Geno Smith to a one-year deal, so it could. 
do you see according to Todd McShay, four picks, four quarterbacks in the top five picks a possibility. Sure. But do you think they're going to take this risk on Richardson? Because I listened to a podcast with McShay the other day. Richardson was the only one. The Seahawks were the only one really talking to Richardson. Yeah. Um. Just, I think he might have the Cam Newton stigma. Where any time a prospect gets compared to Cam Newton, they just end up being not that. And he just—they're saying he's the strongest arm in the class, an electric runner. But then again, it's kind of what I've always come back to when people are like, "Oh, the Panthers should take Anthony Richardson." You lost to Vanderbilt this past year as a Florida quarterback. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to. Like, look at that. and um, But they beat Utah the start of the year. Yeah. It's just hard to go based off one game. And I, I know you're not. I'm not accusing you of doing that. But Did he play just, in their bowl game, too? Because if they did, then, wow, they lost to, like, Oklahoma State by, like, 30. I'm honestly not sure. But I just, going into the season, I just didn't think that he was going to be. I originally thought when he I saw he was going to, he was going to the draft earlier, I'm like, I thought he was going to go undrafted. Yeah. But. I just don't know. I mean, I mean, it, this is the only really pick I think they would take a quarterback at the Seahawks. Yeah, and that's about gonna wrap us up for this um, first little bit of the NFL draft talk. We have more coming your way on the other side of this break. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle ninety-one point one FM. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle ninety-one point one FM. Before the break, we were talking about. Um, just the NFL draft. We only got through the first couple picks. Um, we're going to continue now. We'll go through the first five, really, in, or first ten in depth, and then we'll go to what needs to have happen for different teams if we are familiar with. So let's continue it going. Next pick in the thing we have is the Detroit Lions. So they just traded away um, Jeff Okuda, who they drafted within the top five in 2020. That did not make any sense to me no, whatsoever. Because now they're trapped. They're um, everyone I'm seeing has them taking Devin Witherspoon from Illinois, hmm. um, who is another cornerback. Who there's no way he's going to be better than Okuda because Okuda was good. Witherspoon was also really good at Illinois. I will say that. Yeah, but yeah, but, you're but starting over. That is true. But yeah, it really doesn't make too much sense unless they just locker room stuff internally was not clicking with what's his name, um, but. Yeah, I mean, just Tom McShay's got Will Anderson going there. I doubt now that Will Anderson's projected to go two overall. They're going to have to, um, what's it called, with Will Anderson projected to go two now. I doubt that's going to be the case where he's going to stay there. But Witherspoon is a good player. I don't think they're going to go quarterback. Jared Goff, I think, has one more year on his deal. Jared Goff's still pretty decent for a quarterback, especially now in that NFC North where, he's, where everyone's kind of just – Everyone in that quarterback besides Jordan Love in that division is kind of meh. Justin Fields, Kirk Cousins, and Jared Goff. But yeah, I you can agree. get it done with Jared Goff this year in the NFC North. Sure. I think he can. Um, moving on, next pick up, we have the Las Vegas Raiders. Raiders are on the board. Um, trying to pull up what, they, what they're needing on their draft thing. I've uh, seen O-line a lot. Yeah. Uh, ESPN says they need a cornerback, defense tackle, offense guard, defensive end, tight end. So, Josh McDaniel's second year at the helm. Starting quarterback currently for the them is Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, I think they – I really think, just think they need to focus on the defensive side first. I think they got a good defense with their first pick. 
mm-hmm. which is why he's got uh, Tom McShay's got the, taking Christian Gonzalez, the cornerback out of Oregon. It is really it is a really deep year for cornerbacks. I will say he's got uh, two cornerbacks going in the top ten. Mm-hmm. So I think he makes a good pick. I mean, with the Oregon defense that was pretty good this year. I mean, they struggled in a couple key moments, but other than that, I mean, they've been pretty good. And, but they all could also take uh, an offensive uh, offensive tackle here, like Peter Skronsky from Northwestern or Ohio State's Paris Johnson Jr. I think they could do that as well. I agree. I don't know why. It just made me pick the selection of the um, Dolphins, but never mind. Um, next pick up, we have the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons, they need a defensive end, wide receiver, cornerback, quarterback, or defensive tackle. And McShay's got them drafting Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois. What is your thing that you have? Say they're gonna they're gonna go for. What teams this game? The Sorry. Atlanta Falcons. Um, I'm seeing Bijan Robinson. Ooh. I'm seeing Jalen Carter. Uh, let's who's, see. who's starting running back currently with the Falcons? That's a good question. I'm seeing Will Anderson. I'm seeing Christian Gonzalez. So I've seen four players each playing a different position. So there's just no telling what the Falcons are going to do. Yeah, I'm looking at their depth chart right now. Currently the team that they got right now is Tyler Algiar and Cordell Patterson are their running backs. I mean, Bijan wouldn't surprise me. No, I think it would be good. I think Especially be... if they end up trading for Lamar. Especially true. Yeah, speaking – of that next pick up, we have the Chicago Bears. They currently are picking ninth due to a trade with the Carolina Panthers to go to one. They have uh, McShay's got them going. Jalen Carter. I'm seeing Peter Skronsky, hmm. offensive tackle from Northwestern. That's from Josh Edwards. This is an interesting spot because I feel like the Bears would take a chance on Jalen Carter if he falls here. However, yeah. you have to remember the off the field stuff and all that's going on right now, the investigations and yada yada yada. People in Georgia, or what I heard was they're not crying that he's left Athens. Right. But then again, this is the player that was projected to get one overall if the Bears had the number one pick still. So the Bears could draft him at nine after training with the Panthers for all that. I mean, give Ryan Poles the key to the city. (laughs) Um, Tenth, we have the Philadelphia Eagles, the defending NFC champion Eagles. They are going to select tonight. They are going... Tenth uh, due to a trade with the New Orleans Saints. Let me see who they think they're going. ESPN says they need a defensive tackle, safety, defensive end, inside linebacker, and offensive guard. McShay's got them going with Nolan Smith, outside linebacker, out of Georgia. Yeah, that's a solid pick. That is. You can't go wrong with that. Or at least that's what I think. I agree. No, no matter what, what way you slice it, that's that's gonna be good. Let's skip around to a few teams. Let's go down a little bit. Um, next up, we have. Let's go down. Keep going. Let me see. Any big news we see? Um, let's see the. Oh, let's just go to the Saints. We're Saints. Miles Murphy, defensive end out of Clemson. That's who McShay's got drafting them. Thoughts on that? That'd be fine. Um, Saints were last in pass rush win rate in 2022, 28.5%, and lost Marcus Davenport in free agency. Yeah. And then Cam Jordan is getting old. Yeah. I'm seeing Will McDonald, the fourth, an edge out of Iowa State, uh, Maisie Smith, a D lineman out of Michigan. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of seeing a lot of uh, defensive line, um, which I'm fine with. 
that was kind of weak last year. They could not rush a pass. So if they can improve that with the offense being what it'll be, I'm I, I'm kind of content with that. Kind of content. And you have your receiver set. You have you still have um. Why am I blanking on his name? You have Alave. You have Thomas. Who am I blanking on? Do you still have Landry? Landry, yes, you still have him. Okay. So I wouldn't go wide receiver here. I was thinking about that. No. Do you draft a running back in this draft to to mitigate damage, perhaps? Um. Yes, maybe like third round. Third round, Tank Bigsby, perhaps. That would be awesome. Be cool. Um. Let's look up. Um. I wish they. Were, I wonder if there's like a draft thing we could just talk about the Auburn people for a minute because we already hit sure. all the big, all the big targets. Um. Who's got a full draft prediction? Um. Yeah, I'm not seeing much. Let me see. But I think the who do we think the first player from Auburn's gonna be? Um drafted. Derek Hall. You think Derek Hall? Yeah. I feel like with Owen's body of work, there just wasn't enough last year, if that makes sense for me. Yeah. Like I just didn't just get it, yeah. Um let me look at Matt Miller's draft projection. See if he's got the first Auburn player going. He's got Derek Hall going in the second round to the Detroit Lions by way of Minnesota. Um, checks off all they need. Um, him lining up op- opposite of Aiden Hutchinson would be a crazy thing to see. That could work pretty well, I think. I think so, too. He's got four Auburn players going in the draft. 55, Derek Hall, mid-first round, mid-second round pick. Next up, he's got in round 108, no, sorry, round four, pick 108, going to the Denver Broncos. It is Tank Bigsby. That could be interesting. And then two picks later, he has Colby Wooden getting drafted by the Atlanta Falcons. I think that could work well, especially with the help on defense that the Falcons need. They just got Jesse Bates. I think Colby Wooden could be a good piece of them to bolster up that defense more because in the past, it's always been the Falcons only spend their picks on offensive talent, really. I agree. And then tank to Denver? I mean, I don't really know who their starter is right now, but I think he could find a way to work his way up there, especially. He's not, like, going to be behind, like, an all-pro guy. Yeah. Especially if Russell Wilson starts to be bad or stays bad. He'll continue that. And then he has Owen Papo going 164 in round five to the San Francisco 49ers. That'd be That'd be kind of cool. That would be cool. I'd like to see him play there. That would be a nice, interesting pick right there. Um, but, yeah, um, let me see who else he's got Carolina taking. Bryce Young, of course, first. Or I'm seeing Carolina. We got hmm, Cedric Tillman, wide receiver out of Tennessee, second. Ooh, they also got the Saints drafting Will McDonald out of Iowa State in the second round. That would be a good pick for the Saints. Sure. I like that. Cam's um, – I'm, I forgot when I'm search uh, control F, searching it, the South Carolina and North Carolina players are also showing up. <laughs> but nonetheless, I'm excited for the draft. I think it's going to be a good draft. Where, I mean, my my franchise's picks are in the balance with the future, but huh, it'd be interesting to see what kind of happens with that. But I'm excited, Daniel. 
Best time of the year, draft season. I'm too. A lot to be excited about. NFL is coming back, and that is going to do it for our draft talk. When we come back, it's time for an Eagles Nest first. Two years through the show, we get to the penultimate show for this semester. We're talking NASCAR. Noah Phillips is going to come join us in a minute. We'll be right back. Do not go anywhere. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Locke. Griggs Blankenberg is hanging here as always. And now it is my very, very, very much, um, what am I trying to say? It is a pleasure to welcome on my good, good friend, Noah Phillips. Only three varies. Could have done four. IBS award-winning Noah Phillips. There we go. Griggs has got it. Griggs is good. What? No, Voice what? of Arnold Cross. No, I'm kidding. Voice no, of Arnold Cross, WWE GL co-host. And Noah, what's, what kind of show do you do? On, well, this is another show you do? We do a SMOP, otherwise known as Smooth Operators, talking about all the news from the F1 circus. Oh, did I play it out loud? That's on me. <laughs> we got haters, man. We do got haters. They can't We're doing numbers, dog. Let me N- tell you. Numbies. But, yes, I'll let you all talk about NASCAR, and I'll – Sit back and try this to add. from North Carolina, though. You that, can't add. That, you can't add more on this. I'll add some, but I'm gonna have to hear names I recognize first before I add something. But watermelon. But NASCAR it away, boys. All right. So yeah, this isn't wrestling, but still to get started. Oh, I played too many sound effects. There we go. Oh, the mouse. All right. So just imagine that's the uh, a roaring engine. So Talladega was last week in Noah Phillips. And would, would you just like to recap how it ended? Because it was glorious. Well, first of all, we had a big wreck that set off uh, NASCAR overtime. Uh, great rule by the NASCAR officiating. If you could see my video right now, you know I'd be winking. But Kyle Busch won the race after Woo! Bubba Wallace threw not a great block uh, coming out of turn one, going into turn two. Uh, basically tried to cover every single square mile of the track, but lost it, hitting God knows who, wrecking some of the field as Kyle Busch took the checkered flag on the caution, under caution. Great officiating, NASCAR. I love your rules. Give it up for NASCAR officiating, everybody. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. In the race under yellow, folks. I think they did that uh, the last time there was an F1 race. People got kind of upset about it. The Nev. But the good thing is Kyle Busch won. No, that's not a good thing. And, Don't. When, and when Kyle Busch wins, 11-year-old Daniel Locke wins. 11, uh, 11-year-old Daniel Locke needs to be punk kicked <laughs> if he likes Kyle Busch. Like, well, 20-year-old Daniel Locke likes Kyle Busch. Well, um... Both y'all. Both y'all are bad humans. I don't know. What <laughs> wow. Uh, wow. All the money mm. I donate to charity. Well, the rest of the rundown was number one, number eight, Kyle Bush, number two, number 12, Ryan Blaney, number three, number 17, Chris Busher, and in number four, the greatest uh, number of all time because it was driven by the one and only Tony Stewart in the 14, Chase Briscoe, who has been on a tear recently. He, uh, he has. On Bristol Dirt, I think he finished with, like, a broken hand or something, something that was bad. Uh, number five, number six, Brad Kozlowski. 
Number six, 43, Eric Jones. Number seven, 24, in the, not in the rainbow car, William Byron. Number eight, uh, number 20 car, Christopher Bell. Number nine, number 99, Daniel Suarez. I did not notice he got a top 10. Way to go, buddy, in the yeah, old. Yeah, I was really impressed by that. In the old Tootsie car. Uh, number 10, number 36, Todd Gillen. God, how did he finish 10th? Jesus. <sighs> Todd God, Gillen finished eighth at Bristol Dirt. Holy moly. Yeah, he did good. So kind of This man kind of been on a tear. What? So looking ahead, what? Um, Dover's this weekend. The uh Worth four hundred. Do you know what that is, Noah? How to pronounce um, that? It's like the U with the two dots above it. That is some sort of tool manufacturer, probably, man. Well, anyways, it's the monster mile. It is the Monster Mile. Only one of two NASCAR races held in the greatest region in the United States, New England. Um, I love Dover, man. Dover is so much fun. Everybody likes Dover. It's a fun track to drive as well on uh, the NASCAR games. Oh, yeah. you got to hold the car oh, it's basically great. the entire way. So what are your predictions this week? Who do you think is going to take home a checkered flag at Dover? Well, it's always safe to bet with the Hendrick cars, but they've, of course, had some troubles with their drivers getting hurt uh, on the track that's not a NASCAR track. I don't know if y'all saw William Byron yeah. uh, got hurt over on the Sprint Cups or Sprint Car Series. Love those cars. Um, so I'm going to go with Kevin Harvick. They changed the uh, name of Turn 4 for him. I think this is where he gets his win this season, and uh, he starts to ever so slightly uh, begin his retirement tour on a high note. Okay. I'm going to go, like you said, I never tend to bet against Hendrick. And in his second race back, after missing some time, I'm going to go with Chase Elliott in the number nine Napa Chevrolet. After, um, you know, he, I believe he started 30th at Talladega. Yeah, he finished real. I don't, did he qualify? I don't think he yeah, qualified. I thought he did. Maybe, Maybe. not. I don't know. Well, he made his return. Talladega is Talladega. You, you don't really have to. As long as you show up with a fast car, you can start and last and finish it first. Sure. Max Verstappen so, reference. That is a Max Verstappen <laughs> reference. Um, yeah, I'm going with Chase Elliott to win this week. I'm pretty confident in that, Noah. Um, as confident as you can be when you have to pick one of 40. So... I'm excited about Dover. Like I said, uh, everyone loves Dover. But it's going to be an exciting year in NASCAR, Noah. You know why? Why? Because Daniel Locke is going to Daytona in August, and he's taking Noah Phillips with him. Uh, okay. That sounds good. We're going to the Firecracker? Yep. That's uh, not called the Firecracker, buddy. Coca-Cola. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Got him. Got him. Got him. Got him. Coca-Cola. It is called the Coca-Cola. Don't yeah. wonder. Dare disrespect the Coca Cola six. Don't you dare! No Best race I've them. ever seen in person in my life. You've never been. I've been around there. I've drove the track before on my my dad's car. Yeah, they they do that really nice yeah, you didn't, you didn't uh, Christmas light out thing, there? right? No, not the Sonata. No, yes, they do the Christmas yeah, lights yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah I always see it on my Twitter. Really I've only nice. been once. Bubba Wallace, for all those wondering, ended up finishing twenty eighth. That's my what, dad's favorite driver. It's my Bubba Wallace. Yeah, because he's from Mobile. Uh, yeah. My mom's favorite driver as well. She does love herself some Bubba. Uh, Kevin Hardrick, 
another great finish, or not a great finish, Jesus Christ. No, finishing 21st in the number four car, Talladega, with Eric Amarola finishing behind him in 27th. I have a real fun nickname for Kevin Harvick. What is it? The gas station pizza guy, because he drives the Hunt Brothers car. Well, you should have came up with that earlier, because this is retirement season. Well, it's the last one. I'm going to enjoy it for the rest of the year. As you should. You're going to enjoy it up to the playoffs, and then we're going to get into playoff season. And Kyle and Busch is going to win. Anybody, I could win the NASCAR playoff. All you got to do is win four races. Win Daytona, win one of the first rounds. So you could probably win Texas, I think, is in that one. Let's see. Let me go to the schedule. Hang on. Hang on a minute. Hang on. All right. While you're pulling up that, I'm just going to talk about um, the man, the myth, the legend, the best thing since sliced bread, Joey Logano. No, we're not talking about that. You All you have to win is win the Daytona 500, go win Darlington, Kansas, or Bristol, win Texas, Talladega, or Charlotte, uh, the Roval, and then all you have to do is win uh, Martinsville and then win Phoenix. That's literally five races. Can we talk about how stupid this point system is, please? Go off, King. Like, why do you need a playoff? Even if you want to do a playoff, I get that. As as the officiating body has said, we want to create Game 7 moments. You don't force Game 7 moments. You I'll let agree. them happen. Okay? You don't do, come down to one race at Phoenix, mm. which isn't even that good of a track. Not that good of a track. You should have no, at least kept it at Homestead, Miami, which you took out of the playoff uh, format for the past two years for no reason other than the fact that you don't understand how good – of a track you have there. I think you got to end the season in Dallas. No, you do not. I will come <laughs> over there. I will get my – I only know God. that because you you've complained about it on I have Smile. complained so much about Texas. <laughs> Since this is the first time NASCAR has been up uh, – been on discussion board for the Eagles' Nest, there's a – Really? A lot, yeah, I know, I know. There's a lot to talk about, so that's why this segment's going to seem a little sporadic. This also might be testing ground for something Noah and I might work on in the future, wink, wink. But Noah and Griggs, and I'll go last, if you had to pick a sponsor and your number, who would it be? Noah? I'm going to go with my football number 64. Okay. And then if I had a sponsor, I'd want to be sponsored by Little Debbie. Awesome. Mm. Griggs? What number you said and then what? What number and sponsor? I'm going 13. Okay. Sponsor. Mm, I don't want to do Lowe's because I'm that just be. I want give me a Bojangles car. Why not? Okay. Yeah. Why yeah. not? Yeah. All right. I'm gonna go 21. That's been my lucky number. I was born on the 21st. Um, so I, I like that number a lot. And as far as sponsor, I want to have two. And I'm gonna have two cars. I bounce in between. You hmm. can't have two. You everyone, do not have enough money to support two cars. Everyone is two. Every good driver is two. I'm going to have an icy car because, you know, the mm. coldest drink in town, and I'd be the coldest driver. And then mug because in my first NASCAR <laughs> game I ever had, you could design a T-shirt, and mine said, there goes the mug man because I imagined I was sponsored by mug. So icy and mug root beer, that's me. And the, mug, the mug 21 Ford Mustang. Noah, you're wearing an F1 hat right now. I am wearing an F1 hat. No, y'all hat. can save that for tomorrow. We got to preview it. Y'all can save it, it for tomorrow. Yeah. Listen in at one to two. I will also bring up. Uh, the greatest sponsor of all time, me in a picture of a cougar, belongs to Ricky Bobby in Talladega mm. Nights. That is the single greatest. If I, if I had a second car like Daniel, apparently I'm. we're both made of money. Yes, that, we are. That would be what my sponsor is, me. Me. Well, Joey Logano is going to fund my career. 
Me? I, no, I'm, he is I'm not. Is that a stroll reference? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. All right. All right. No. Why do you, you hate Joey Logano so much? Because. No, so you can't good. do this, Daniel. Because we're gonna get an we're gonna get a violation. We're no, gonna get just don't you. Cuss. You just are going to get taken off. Th- I don't have. I can't have control when I talk about Joe Lugano, well, man. Develop it. No, I can't. It's physically impossible. He doesn't even get this mad about Ferrari. Well, then just write. I just cry. Wh- I just cry about Ferrari. Write it on a whiteboard or something. Then how is that going to feed into the show? Because then I can just. It's great uh, podcasting. I can give the people a clean version of what you say. No, we're not going to do that because Joe Logano is such a terrible man and mm. driver. I know hate's terrible a strong man. I, I know hate's a strong word, ladies and gentlemen, but I hate that man. Mm-hmm. If you're a father and you like support your kids, you're, you can't be a terrible man. Yes, you can. Montgomery Burns probably supported his kids. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay, that's the pride of Middletown, Connecticut. M- Montgomery Burns Are is you? the pride. No, of- no, Joey Logano, the best thing since sliced bread. <sighs> you want to know why he's the best thing since sliced bread? Because he's amazing. Because sliced bread gets stale. Mm. Whoa! And he's always been stale. When he <laughs> came, when he came into NASCAR, he Hold was on. stale, and who, you're stale. Who won? Who won the cup last year? Joe Logano, under a okay. stupid playoff format. I just ate this microphone. Like, I put my lip on the top of it because uh-huh. of how Sanitary. stupid. Be sure to wipe that off. Because how stupid and this NASCAR playoff season is. And with that, that is going to wrap it up for our NASCAR show. No, no, I've, no, I have something to say. Oh, boy. Okay, you got like uh, 30 seconds. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the driver's seat. I get it because we're talking NASCAR. No. Ooh! <laughs> What's 22 plus 8? 30. What's the amount of happy days Daniel gets each summer? 30. What? What? <laughs> that is open W H A T. What? Oh, I know. What? Yeah, I'm really confused too. Well, just stay confused. You are about that, as. Isn't that You are not as bright as the NASCAR playoff format. All right? Oh, is Whoa. that why I just aced my geology final? Mm. Dude, I could. You should take biology like a real man. I just made a I 9 did. out of 10 on my uh, on my uh, bi- lab final for Good. biology. And with that, that is going to do it for our segment on the Eagles Nest on NASCAR. Thank you, Noah, for coming on. When we come back, it's time for everyone's favorites. Who you got? One of our last weeks of who you got? We'll let you know who's winning on the record. When we come back, last segment of the show on the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. It's been such a fun show today. In the last segment, Noah Phillips and I talked NASCAR along with Griggs, kind of moderating the conversation. Instigating is the word I'd give it. <laughs> Instigating. But if you want to see Noah and I start a full-time NASCAR podcast in the fall, let us know via Twitter or send me a letter right oh. here to the Weagle Studio. You can find our address on our website. I'd love to hear from you through snail mail. Or if you'd like to just get your Formula 1 fixed for tomorrow, Smooth Operators, 1 p.m. Central Standard Time on Weagle 91.1 FM, if you do feel so inclined to check us out, that'd be awesome. We're talking about a race finally for the first time in four weeks. Wow. Yes, but let's get right into who you got. Our last segment of the show last week, Daniel went 6-4, and four and I went 6-4 and four as well. So coming down to it, the penultimate week for who you got. Oh, wait, this should be the last week for who you got because we can't do it next week. Right. So coming in the we last. We do it for fun. But. Yeah. Last week for the record-wise, Daniel is holding a 66-54 and 54 record. I am sitting at 70-50, and 50. so this one's going to be interesting. Let's go ahead and start off with the NBA playoffs starting tonight. Game 6 in St- at State Farm Arena in Atlanta, Georgia. It is the Celtics 
at the Atlanta Hawks. Celtics hold the series lead 3-2. Daniel, you got? Give me the Celtics, baby. Let's go seize. Let's get it done. Hmm. All right. I am going to go with the Hawks because I just think that I just want chaos. Half of these picks are me just wanting chaos with some of this stuff. But I think the Hawks can win. If Trey Young does not play well, I think it's going to be over. But I think Trey Young's going to play really good tonight as well as at home. And I don't know. I just don't feel like Tatum's going to be as productive as he needs to be, especially when they have the Jonte back now. Sure. Moving on to Game 6, Kings at Warriors at the Chase Center. Warriors looking to close this one out up 3-2. Daniel, what you got? Give me the Warriors, man. They're good in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm going with the Warriors as well. I just don't think, like, they have all that experience. They're just I don't think they're going to lose to the Kings. I just don't can't see it. Moving on to Game 6 tomorrow night, it's the Grizzlies at the Lakers. Crypto.com Arena, Lakers looking to close this series out up 3-2. Daniel, you got... I don't want to pick the Lakers, but unfortunately, I just kind of see it going that way. So, Lakers. I'm going to go with the Grizzlies. I think the Grizzlies can find a way to do it. They're going to play hard. I think Dylan Brooks is going to get into the fans' heads early. I think that's going to work to his advantage for the first time ever. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the Grizzlies in that one. Moving on to Game 1 of Suns at Nuggets in the Western Conference semifinals. Uh, Nuggets are the one seed. Suns are, I think, the Four seed, yes. So, Daniel, what you got? Suns. Hmm. Why? I don't know. I'm just feeling it deep inside. Hmm. That's a good pick. I'm going with the Suns. This is the year. Chris Paul's getting a ring. Give it to me. I want it. Going Suns. For the Valley, baby. Next up for our last game of the NBA we're picking is the game one of the Heat at the Knicks. Going to the Mecca. Going to Madison Square Garden, where Jimmy Buckets has taken on the Knicks. Daniel, who you got? I'm taking the Heat, man. I just they're hot right now. Um, they beat the Bucks in what five games? Six? E- five. five games. Yeah, they won four-one. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I'm gonna go with the Heat as well. Just Jimmy Butler's playing unconscious this postseason. I mean, he didn't really show it last year, but in the bubble, he was going crazy as well. I mean. Off his back, the Heat made the the finals back in 2020. So there's that. I'm going to go with the Heat here. I think just Jimmy Butler can get it done. I just don't see the Knicks finding a way to get it done with Julius Randle and uh, uh, Mitchell. Or no, no, Brunson, sorry. Moving on to the NHL playoffs. Let's start it off tonight. We have the Lightning at the Maple Leafs. Lightning are looking to the Leafs are looking to close it out at home in Toronto, up three one on the series against the Lightning. Daniel. Who you got? Man, I'm going to have to take the Lightning. I mm. think the Maple Leafs are going to choke. I'm going to believe in the Maple Leafs for the first time in my life. I'm going with the Leafs. They're going to win this series and potentially uh, – let's see how the other series goes first um, before I say they're going to move on. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to the Leafs. Next up, Game 5 tonight as well. It is the Rangers at Devils at the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey. No home team has won a matchup yet. That factored into my pick. Daniel, who you got? Give me the light. Er, I'm sorry, that was the last one. <laughs> I was looking at the wrong place. Give me the Devils. I think they're going to be the first team to win at home this series. I unfortunately don't think that's the case. I think 88 is going to find a way to get it done. I think the Rangers are going to find a way. Shesterkin's going to play really well. Panarin and Kane are going to light it up. I'm going with the Rangers. Moving on now to the Jets at Golden Knights. Golden Knights looking to close this one down 
pretty well, and it's 3-1. Daniel, who you got? Knights. Don't ask me why. Just a gut feeling. I'm going with the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. So I'm going with the Jets. No reason why. I just think I want to see the series go seven. Moving on now to the next game is the Hurricanes at the Islanders at TBS Arena on Long Island. Hurricanes looking to close the series out. Up 3-2. Islanders fought back in game five, though. What's going to happen in game six? Daniel, you got? The Hurricanes are frauds. Hmm. Yep. You heard it here first. <clears throat> Islanders going to get it done. That's going to be interesting. That is very interesting indeed. I'm going to go with the Islanders as well. I don't like We both don't like the Canes. That's probably both our teams we don't have, like our teams are not really quote unquote rivals of. We just do not like them. I'm going with the Islanders. And our final pick is game six in Florida at the Florida Live Arena or something weird like that. It is the Boston Bruins. Taking on the Florida Panthers. Boston currently looking to close this one out. Up 3-2. Daniel, you got? Oh, man. Man, man, man. I hope the Bruins get it done. Bruins. He changed his pick, ladies and gentlemen. He said the Panthers, and he changed it back to the Bruins. I, however, am going to go Panthers. I want to see chaos. I think Matthew Tuchuk can play really well in this game. I think they can get it done. Uh, Daniel added a question at the end. Daniel, what is... Link Jarrett? <laughs> that was not meant to like, actually be a part of the show. I was just kidding oh, around. Link Jarrett not. was the former uh, Notre Dame Fighting Irish head coach, and he was the coach at Auburn for a period of a coach at Auburn for a period of time. Oh yeah, I remember we talked about that in our yeah. Omaha special. Yeah, Th- that wasn't meant to be like part oh, of our regular oopsies. content. I was just messing. Well, that's funny. Well, that's gonna do it for our show today. We'll be back here same time next week for our final show of the semester, at starting at eleven Central as usual. But until next time, if you missed any of today's podcast, you can check it out on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. But until the next show, this has been the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. For Daniel Locke, I'm Greg Splankenberg. Thanks for listening. Have a great day, everyone, and War Eagle. Thank you for tuning in to the Eagles Nest. We enjoyed bringing you updates on everything going on in the world of sports. If you missed any of today's show, you can catch the podcast version wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at Daniel J. Locke and at the Griggs B. Until next time, this has been the Eagles Nest. See you next week.